Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Good morning, everyone. It's a huge joy to be here with you. And let me just say one little thing about the book. Um, Yeah, you're very welcome to take one. It's really, um, it's our heart written down on paper for North America. Um, If my life could be worth anything, uh, I would like to see it poured into uh, helping you and your generation be a faithful generation to the Lord. In Jeremiah, it says that, that they drew backward and did not go forward. And then in Exodus 14, the Lord looks at his people and says, basically, why are you looking at me? Tell my people to go forward. And with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, we would gladly spend and be spent to see your generation uh, accomplish the works that are already in the mind and the heart of God. So yeah, please, if, if you would like to commit to reading it, then feel free to take it. Um, if you don't read it, you have to give an account for that at the judgment seat of Christ. Um, I mean, if you take one and don't read it. Yeah. So the Lord will be like, that's seven ninety nine off your, yeah. Anyways, okay. Uh, Luke, Luke chapter 15, um, you're already there, hopefully. Uh, we are going to talk about the missionary heart of God. And the first thing I want to do, since we have already read God's living word, is to pray. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, you are so worthy of worship. You are more um, holy, more unfathomably holy than what we can ever possibly imagine in this lifetime. Uh, Lord, if, we, if we're smart at all, then, then we would read things in our Bibles about your servants all of a sudden finding themselves in your presence and falling down on their faces in awe of, of a holy God. Lord Jesus, you are more loving than what we could possibly imagine. You desire more to be a real, tangible friend, the best friend that we could ever imagine, more than, more than what we've ever been able to enter into. We thank you for both of these truths. Father, my request in the name of Jesus Christ is very simple. Uh, your word says it specifically instructs us to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up laborers to send out into the harvest. So as we look at this passage, as we look at the missionary heart of God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would take the word of God and raise up warriors, raise up laborers for the harvest. Um, yeah, please do that work that only you can do. Have your way in this auditorium this morning. We love you. We certainly offer our bodies to you as living sacrifices today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I came out of Emmaus Bible College in 1997, um, zealous and uh, passionate about the work of God. My wife and I entered into fellowship in the tiny little 13-person Topeka Gospel Chapel in, in Topeka, Kansas, And here we were, like, just loaded up four years of teaching at Emmaus and discipleship from from great men and women of God, and um, we were just dying to run for God with everything that was in us. Um, They didn't know quite what to think of us uh, at the the beginning, and they actually told us a couple years into the process that that they, it took them a little while to kind of get used to like these burning balls of zeal, right? And at one point they were thinking, what on earth are we going to do with this young man? 
and they asked me, have you ever thought about being a missionary? And, uh, and I immediately said, no. Uh, and then they said, why? Uh, and they were seriously wondering, like with our passions, with our focus, with our zeal for the Lord, like why would you not consider being a missionary? And my answer was, um, we're called to North America. And I thought of missions as you have to have a passport and you have to go overseas. And so that was, that was my answer, right? Nope, not called, to, not called to be a missionary, called to North America. And so I do chuckle now that we are missionaries in the state of California, which desperately needs missionaries, and as does the rest of North America. Now, uh, I have three points that I want to notice, um, well, two points from this text, and then one point of application for our time this morning. Point number one is from verses 1 and 2. So let's read that again. Luke 15, verses 1 and 2. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, that's to the Lord Jesus, to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So point number one in my outline this morning is there are different reasons to draw near to Christ. And I just want you to see it straight out of the text. Tax collectors and sinners, they drew near to the Lord Jesus to hear him. I want to hear him. I want to be near to him. And so they, they drew near. The Pharisees and the scribes, they also drew near to Christ. And yet their attitude is very obviously very different than the tax collectors and sinners. They're complaining and finding fault with the Lord Jesus. Now, having noticed that in the text, I just want to apply this very briefly and, and ask you to ask yourselves in the presence of God this morning, what does drawing near to Christ look like in my life right now? That is an essential question for the rest of your life. Like before we moved to California, we knew, and I still know this more than ever before, we will live or we will die with the presence of Christ. Like if I get away from Christ, and I'm not talking about my eternal salvation, I'm talking about my daily walk. If I get away from Christ, I'm dead in the water. Like I know that today as a 47-year-old more than I've ever known it before in my life. So what does your drawing near to Christ look like? What motivates that drawing near to Christ? And then if we're wise, we'll learn from the text, right? So some drew near to him to hear him. That is a super wise reason to draw near to Christ. First thing in the day, not in a legalistic way, just as a good habit of life. If it works for you another time, that's awesome. Praise God. But you get your time, you draw near to him, and you say, oh, Lord, you're the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I can't believe every day that I live in a love relationship with you. The same thing that will thrill my soul in a million years should be thrilling my soul every day now. Please speak to me. And then you go into your time, right, eager to, eager to hear from him with a heart that will obey his commands, eager to follow. His commandments are not burdensome. So I love that heart that you see that you see in the, in the tax collectors and the sinners. It's the same heart that Paul, in Philippians 3, he says, I want to experience Christ. You probably know it. I want to know him, right? And it's the, it's the know, it's gnosko, to know by experience. Man, that is good. The passion of Paul 
So the Lord Jesus, it makes himself available. People draw near to him. Um, I also want you to notice, if you're taking notes, jot down that Jesus Christ lived a life that was attractive to sinners. This is deeply convicting to me, but I want to be fair to the text when I say this. If you're not living a life that's attractive to sinners, then in some way we're falling short. That is deeply challenging to me. But, but we want to ask the Lord to make us so Christ-like that sinners would be drawn to us. A preacher of a former generation said, get on fire for God and the whole world will come to watch you burn. So we want to be Christ-like enough that they're drawn to us. Uh, we, have a, we have a young man named Michael. He's a baby Christian in our tiny little brand new local church in Freedom, California. And he's been getting on fire for God. He's been giving Bibles to his friends with his own money. He's been, he's been giving Bibles to his friends. He's got them into a Bible study. Um, we learned about this Bible study, and it's, it's in a neighborhood about a half an hour from where we live. And so one of our guys on our team went with him just to kind of sit in the background and to observe. And then if difficult questions came up, which they did, then he could be available and he could kind of help and, and encourage, right? And so he went. Um, these guys are dropping F-bombs like crazy during the Bible study. Um, multiple times our teammate was offered marijuana during the Bible study. Would you like to smoke it? Would you like a brownie? Right? No? Like, you're very welcome to our marijuana. Like, they're being kind and gracious. We bought it, but we will share with you. Right? So, not the typical Bible study. Um, for the record, uh, we're, not, we're not fans of marijuana, um, and we're not fans of F-bombs. Um, but you know what we're fans of? Seriously? We're fans of people that, that regularly partake in marijuana and regularly use F-bonds. We're fans of them seeing the beauty of the Word of God and drawing near to hear Him. You know, this is, it seems crazy, but we've seen this many times. They actually use swear words in their awe of God. Like they're not thinking twice about their, about their language. They will blaspheme God and praise God in the same sentence. Oh God, praise God. I mean, it's amazing, right? But it's sinners drawing near to Christ. We would say praise God to that, right? One of those people at that study got saved and was baptized three days ago. There are more that watched that and that are thinking they would like to be baptized this Sunday. Yeah. It's awesome to watch. The Lord Jesus lived a life where sinners were drawn to him. God help us to be Christ-like enough that sinners are, are drawn to us. Okay, there are different reasons to draw near to God. Point two in the text, the parables or the stories that you read, the, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son, these are Jesus Christ's beautiful skillful, awesome response to the criticism in verse 2. Man, I hope everybody sees this, and I hope it radically changes your life. Look at verse 2. The Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners. He welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. So, right, that's the Lord Jesus. So, verse 3, because of that accusation, he spoke this parable to them. And then he tells the story of a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son. What's the Lord Jesus' point 
in the text. Well, let's, let's look. So first of all, sheep. Uh, look at verse 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, so you've got 99, wealthy man, the man doesn't say, oh, it's an acceptable loss. Like who knows if the sheep is even alive anymore. Could have gotten eaten by a wolf. Stupid sheep wouldn't listen to me anyways. Could have fallen in a hole. But he doesn't say any of those things. Like the entire story shows how precious the sheep is to the shepherd. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness, go after the one which is lost, and then please notice this, I have this underlined and highlighted, until he finds it. Do you see the passion of the shepherd? I will leave the comfort. I will leave what I'm used to, what's normal. I will pursue, I will go after until I find it. He's saying there is so much value in that one little sheep that, I'm, that that's what I'm all about. I love that, passion. Now I'm going to go ahead and give you this. If you look at all three of these stories, sheep, coin, son, the Lord Jesus is basically looking at the scribes and Pharisees and he's saying this is why I'm here. Like, you're criticizing me for spending time with these people. This is why I'm here. Jesus Christ is the greatest missionary that the world has ever seen. Amen? And he reveals, us, he reveals to us the Father. So by definition, our God is a missionary God. It's his passion. It's what he's all about. The, the, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians reflects this when he says this little phrase, that I might win the more. If you're talking with Paul, then he would say just one more, right? One more every day, one more. I would gladly spend and be spent for the gospel of Jesus Christ, one more. It's the passion of God, the missionary heart of God. The sheep are out there. They're all around us. They're desperately needy. Uh, if you would like to, pray for a girl named Megan. If it helps, she's pagan. Um, uh, by, she's a practicing pagan. She owns a, a pagan shop in uh, Monterey, California. And so Megan the Pagan, if you, if you want to remember. Um, but pray for her. Um, we had lunch with her. Uh, one of our board members actually met her on a plane, had a nice chat with her about the Lord. Uh, last, next time he was in town with his wife, he called her. She agreed to have lunch with all four of us. At the end of lunch, we asked her, what can we be praying for you for? You know what she said? Pray that I don't kill myself. Cutting because of the pain. Suicidal thoughts every day because she doesn't have a worldview. She doesn't have a, an anchor. She doesn't have a solid rock. Just a helpless little sheep that's out there. And in the story, like if we understand anything, like the people are criticizing Christ. This man receives sinners and eats with them. And he looks at them. He's not even mean to them. But he looks at them and he very skillfully, tactfully, wonderfully tells three stories. And if we understand at, at all what he's saying, he's looking at the scribes and Pharisees and he's saying, this is the reason why I came. 
If you saw them anything like I see them, then you would know there's so much value here. How could I not spend my time with these people? And, by the way, scribes and Pharisees, if you would see yourselves in the presence of God the way that you ought to see yourselves, then you would fall on your faces at the privilege of of me being willing to spend time with you too. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, so he talks about the the sheep, and then he talks about the coin. Verse 8, what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not look at the passion, light a lamp, sweep the house, Search carefully until she finds it. Diligence, passion. So sheep are helpless and they're all out there waiting for God's servants. How will they hear without a preacher? They're just waiting for us. Some generations in our Bibles were faithful to God and they went forward. Some generations disobeyed and drew back. Man, my prayer is that we will go forward under the banner of Christ and that we'll see North America reached afresh in the next generation. A coin just sits there. It doesn't know that it's lost, right? Yeah, so a sheep is helpless. A coin is unconsciously lost. We met a girl named Yael. She grew up in Israel. Uh, She was a realtor. We walked into a $340,000 broken-down trailer uh, in California. We were looking for housing for the team. And Yale was standing there, and we met her. We introduced ourselves as followers of Christ. We told her why we were in California. Um, she showed us a couple trailers. We, we had her come eat with the team. We gave her a handmade, one of our guys on the team makes handmade leather Bibles. They're beautiful. We gave her a handmade leather Bible. He made this one. Um, and she, when we gave her the Bible, she took it like this, and she, she cried quietly, right? Just a quiet tear, and she held it just like this. Like she so treasured it. Then she went to study with Jehovah's Witnesses for a year and a half. And the Lord gave her the ability to see through the lies that the Jehovah's Witnesses were telling her. She had seen through the legalism of Judaism. She saw similar legalism in the Jehovah's Witness cult. So that, she, that wasn't for her. She contacted us again. She came and had dinner with the team. And then we asked her, like, do you, do you, have you ever recognized that Jesus is the Messiah of Israel? And I don't remember exactly what she said. I think she said yes right to that question. And then she said, where I'm stumbling, where I don't know, is, is the Messiah God? And we were like, that's a pretty important question. Do you want to come over? And she was like, yep. (laughs) And so within days, she came over. And as simple as it could possibly be, we started in the Hebrew Scriptures, and then we walked through to the New Testament, and we just showed two simple things, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah of Israel, that the Messiah must be God, that the Scripture says that he is God, and that Jesus Christ is the only person that could possibly be the Messiah of Israel. And I asked her at the end, I said, do you understand what we're saying? Yes. Do you believe what we're saying? And she said, how could I not? Do you accept? Right? We ended with John 1.12. As many as received him, to them he gave them right to be called children of God to those that believe in his name. And she just said, how could I not? Like, how could, you, how could you believe without receiving, was her response, with tears coming down her face, right? An unconsciously lost sinner just waiting out there in North America for someone to be willing to share Christ. I'm so happy to tell you that personal evangelism is the weakest area of my Christian life. If the Lord can use me, the Lord can use anybody. In fact, I think that's why God sent me. Because if he can use me, he can use anybody. 
not a gifted evangelist, like not even close. That doesn't change the fact that there's little lost sheep out there and there's little lost coins out there and there's little lost prodigal sons out there. Three different classifications of sinners. Look, look if you would at verse 20. The lost son. He arose and came to his father, but while he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion. He ran. In a Middle Eastern context, to run for an adult Middle Eastern man to run, that's a great disgrace. But the father in the story didn't care about his pride. He cared about the son. It shows passion. It shows the missionary heart of Jesus Christ, the missionary heart of God. He ran, he fell on his neck, he kissed him. Yeah, three stories to make a simple point. These people are so precious. How could I not spend time with them? And I love it how he's, he doesn't, he doesn't respond in anger to the scribes and Pharisees. They were welcome to come too. That's amazing. Like they're looking down their nose at incredibly precious souls. And the Lord Jesus doesn't respond in anger. They're all welcome to come. Spiritually proud people are welcome to come to Christ. Lost sheep are welcome to come to Christ. Willfully lost prodigals are welcome to come to Christ. Totally unconsciously lost coins are welcome to come to Christ. Yeah, it's amazing. He is so passionate about lost people. Now, point number three, with the couple minutes that we have left, I just want to apply these things, and I really long for you to be encouraged. Um, I'm, I'm trusting the Lord to do what the Lord wants to do in this auditorium this morning. My longing and my prayer is that you'd be so encouraged yeah, so my application is simple. There are 570 million souls in, on the North American continent that must be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ in your lifetime. That's our job. I love the admonitions in Scripture. Be good soldiers of Christ Jesus. Endure hardship as good soldiers of Christ Jesus. I love that. No soldier enlisted in active duty entangles himself in the affairs of this life that he may please the one who enlisted him as soldier. Oh, that's so good. I mean, the scripture is so clear, right? Either we'll obey it or we won't obey it. Either we'll reflect the heart of Jesus Christ or we won't. 570 million souls that must be reached, right? How will they hear without a preacher? There is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved. There are 348 unreached people groups in the United States and Canada. In fact, that number is dated now. Last year, uh, I know a young couple, I just barely know them, but I know a young couple that were headed toward Afghanistan as missionaries. Maybe you know them too. And then COVID hit and the borders shut down and they're not allowed. I mean, a bunch of things happened in Afghanistan. You know what the Lord did over the last 12 months? He sent people from, from all 26 of the unreached people groups in Afghanistan. He sent people from every province in Afghanistan as, immigra as immigrants to the United States and Canada. They're all here. Pray for Travis and Joanna Robertson. They live in Kansas City, and one of those immigrant people groups was plopped down right in front of them in Kansas City. The Lord miraculously has opened the door for them. 
and they're obeying. They're being hospitable. They're, they're teaching them English as a second language. Just simple, normal hospitality, love, reaching out. The Lord is sending the whole world. So 348 unreached people groups plus 26 unreached people groups this last year. The whole world is right here. We don't even need a passport to be missionaries anymore. We just have to be Christ-like. We just have to be willing to love, willing to invite people over to our homes, use our homes for the gospel. Oh, it's so simple, right? I kind of wonder sometimes, like I don't, I don't know, obviously I don't know, but I do kind of wonder sometimes if the Lord it would be saying these days, if you won't go to them, then I'll just send them all to you. Like I'll make it so easy for you to reach these incredibly precious lost sheep, these incredibly precious lost coins, these incredibly precious lost sons. Like they'll all be right there. They're religiously proud. I'll send them all to your doorstep. So all you have to do is just live a Christ-like life and be willing to reach out on my behalf. Over this past 12 months, we, uh, the Lord led us to start a monthly report and prayer time. Uh, the report really doesn't have anything to do with freedom teams. It's just when we see God moving in North America, we want to highlight it. It's based on the book of Acts where, where the Apostle Paul repeatedly says, let us go and tell of what God is doing among the Gentiles or what God has done among the Gentiles. And we thought the Lord used that scripture to show us like that's a good thing to do. That's a biblical thing to do. Like, highlight what you see me doing. And so we have this monthly prayer time. It's the first Saturday of every month. If you're interested in following along, then email lynn at freedomteams.org. She manages the email list for us, lynn at freedomteams.org. And um, over this past 12 months, the Lord has given our team, Freedom Teams, eight cities along the West. So not only do we live and are we reaching out in Freedom, California, but the Lord has given us Phoenix, Arizona, six million people, Las Vegas, Nevada, Two million, over 2 million people, Reno, Nevada, 750,000 people, Salt Lake City, Utah, over 2 million people, Helena, Montana, 35,000 people, completely different city, Boise, somewhere around three quarters of a million or just under, Portland, Seattle, like those are our eight cities that God has given us to work and pray towards, and so we're doing that. So, so the Lord has built a freedom team. We have five missionary families in Freedom, California, um, the Lord has started to build the Phoenix team. We have one family that's now committed to Phoenix. They moved to Freedom this summer, and we're praying right now that the Lord will fill in the rest of that missionary team. And then we're praying that we'll be able to collectively discern Acts 13, release unto me the Phoenix team, right? And when the Lord leads that way, then we'll launch them. In Manitoba, they have their own eight population centers that the Lord has burdened them with, and so they're reaching out there. Portage, La Prairie, Brandon, Manitoba, I'm not going to list them all off. In Ontario, Canada, they have their own eight uh, municipalities in the Durham region of Ontario that they're working and praying toward. What I, All I'm trying to share is this. Jesus Christ is evidently leading his people out. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. He is leading his people, your generation. He's leading them out for the next work of God that North America desperately needs. So my point is, is simple. What is the missionary heart of God? At heart, God is a missionary God. He is leading beautifully. Now, please don't miss it. Yeah, please don't miss it. Don't let your agenda trump God's agenda. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we thank you for your heart. Where would we be without the missionary heart of God? 
We thank you for the greatest missionary that the world has ever seen, Jesus Christ the Lord. Where would we be without his obedience and his willingness to leave the comfort and the glory of heaven and to come and to suffer worse than any man has ever suffered in all of human history? Father, thank you for your ability to raise up laborers to send out into the harvest. We certainly pray in Christ's name that that would happen. And then I just want to lift up to you my precious brothers and sisters in this room. Lord, you've gifted them in all different ways. You know the good works that you've predestined and set before them. I pray that you would use them to the full. I pray that you would ruin them for anything except your best. And I pray that the next generation, by the grace of God and because of the empowering of the Holy Spirit, that the next generation would be a generation of sold-out warriors for Jesus Christ that would see great victories for God. Those that know their God shall do valiantly. Lord, we, we beg you to raise up a generation for the glory of your great name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.